1: For all hard rock, heavy metal bands needing worldwide exposure at affordable prices, Online Metal Promo PR is taking bands from the underground to above ground. Visit their official website at OnlineMetalPromo.net OnlineMetalPromo.net
0: To Rat Salary View. Today we are joined by author Jesse Fink, the author of this book right here, Bon, The Last Highway.
1: What's going on, Jesse? Um, I'm in Indonesia.
2: Indonesia. Why you have a
1: tropical sort of decoration theme here. (laughs) Yeah, so hopefully the the internet sort of stays with us. Throughout this conversation, yeah, it's a little and, choppy, uh, but I hotel didn't. coffee.
0: Oh, very good. Mm. At least somebody's relaxed here.
3: <laughs> well, well,
0: we're relaxed. What do you mean? <laughs> I guess so. You're in your hotel there, so I guess you're relaxed.
3: Oh, yes. I am on location in uh, Arlington, Virginia on a business trip, but I was not going to miss this opportunity to be on Rods Review to speak with Mr. Jesse Fink because this book is such a great read. But it's also got to be the. It's so sad. I mean, there's there's so many sad elements <laughs> in it. It breaks my heart that you know. But we're we're gonna get we're gonna get into questions with Mr. Fink about uh, the late Rap on Scott. But uh, he deserved better. That's all I'm gonna say. Yeah
0: definitely did uh you know i was reading your book jesse and uh i was wondering why at, at the end of the book you you say that he's uh you don't think he's dead but he's on the island with uh elvis and uh, tupac and biggie i mean what's that about <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm just trying to to remember where i said that but uh you're not, no. <laughs> no not at all
0: don't don't ever take that seriously people that's not what the book says but uh what made you want to write a book about bond i mean you wrote about the youngs but uh why did you want to get so deep into this story about well i guess it's kind of a almost like a conspiracy theory in a way although i don't want to get blocked off of facebook uh, youtube for saying that now but what what got you mm. into this whole bond thing
1: Mm-mm. uh well manny mentioned before i wrote a book called the youngs mm. back in 2013 here in australia and that was a very personal book because it was kind of about why ACDC's music at a very critical time in my own life had kind of saved my life. I was feeling suicidal one night and I put on some power Age and I kind of made it to the morning and I felt actually very grateful to, to ACDC. And, I, and then I thought, Christ, I want to write a book about these guys and I couldn't believe that no one had ever done a book about the youngs. And so I went to Penguin and suggested it as a book and they they went for it. And um, I spent a year writing a book about um, George, Angus and Malcolm. And um, that was a very successful book. It just went around the world and... uh, was was fantastic for me as a, as a, as a writer to you know finally have a breakout book, um, but it was essentially about you know how ACDC's music connects with people on an emotional level, and it was also trying to kind of I guess sort of uh, you know give some give some you know uh, credit and, and respect to rock and roll as a genre. It was just about you know sort of cutting through all the bullshit about you know what is High art, what is low art, and all that, and and just making a case that um, ACDC's music was art in itself. Hmm. Um, so there was never any plan, you know, to, to to write another book about ACDC or or to write a book about Bon Scott. But I had finished that book, and um, obviously, I had sort of looked into ACDC's history and 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 The Youngs was essentially kind of uh, about how sort of ACDC sort of broke in America. Um, and I had found that a fascinating part of that book that I felt that Clinton Walker in his own book on Von Scott hadn't really sort of gone into in, in a very deep way. Mm. Um, and so I felt like it was a, a part of the Clinton Walker book on Bond that um, was a bit of a mystery. So I I, I set out to kind of write a book about, uh, you know, Bond's final three years, you know, from, from 77 to to 80 when he died. Mm. And of course, if you look at the, the, the map of what, you know, ACDC was doing during that time, essentially they were touring America. Right. So, you had a lot of people talking about what had happened to Bond who were from England or who were from Australia, but no one really from the United States. He was, he was there on the ground, on the tour bus, you know, backstage, et cetera, for all those hundreds of gigs in America had really sort of talked about what was going on with Bond. Mm-hmm. So that's the, that's the title. It's the last highway. It's, it's the road he took to his own death. So I felt like that was a, a great starting point for a, another book on um, ACDC. Mm. Now, you, you got a lot of flack
0: from the, especially from uh, one of his brothers uh, about this book, too. Have you, did you try to contact him at all?
1: Well, what do you say? Because I would love to, to know what he said to me, you know, directly. Oh, I don't
0: know. It was some video. Uh, I think, actually, I think Manny, you sent me the video. It was uh, with, that one with Brian Johnson.
4: Oh no! No, what he's talking about, I'm sure you saw it, Jesse. Um, uh, like, uh, like a month or so ago. Um, mm. I guess Australian TV had a special on uh on um on Bond Scott and Brian Johnson introduced it. Um, the introduction. Yeah. I don't know if they specifically mentioned your book. I think maybe they may have talked about the Clinton Walker book. I'm not sure.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh,
1: uh, it, yeah. it was. It was. It was. It was it was definitely targeted at me. Oh okay. uh, but also. No, it was targeted but also at you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, obviously. I mean, the thing was I was never even asked to comment on that story, uh, either on camera or off camera. I oh. I you know it's it's up to the Bonscott estate to kind of peddle the narrative that they want to pedal. Um my my complaint with, with that particular documentary, which I thought was actually it was pretty ordinary, and I wrote a, a blog about it on my um my what my website, um, which anyone is you know happy to uh, should, should be able to go and have have a read about how I feel about that thing. It was that the ABC, which is you know the the Australian equivalent of you know PBS, just journalistically did a very bad job. It's just whether you agree or disagree with the story that that is in my book about what happened to Bond, there are relevant facts in that story about what happened to Bond on the last night of his life, which never came up in that documentary, such Mm -hmm. as the fact that there was another person with Bond and Alistair in the car. It was just never even mentioned in the documentary. So I don't know why that wasn't kind of mentioned as a relevant fact. Um, so that's that's my that's my beef with that particular documentary. But the, you know the Bond Scott estate a, a can sort of say whatever they like, and they can stick to that. Um, I don't have a problem with that because that's their prerogative.
3: There is uh, one published autobiography titled uh, "Fast Ride right Out of Here," written by Pete Way of UFO and Wasted, and uh, mm. you know your book kind of corroborates with him. Um, he stated in his book that he was there with Bon the night that he passed. So there were people that were there, or they were at least there in the final days of his life where it mm-hmm. seems like they're completely written out of the, uh, of, you know, of, of the textbooks. Um, and you know, P. way yeah. is no longer with us and UFOs uh, UFO a, uh, as big an influence for me as ACDC was as a musician. So, you know, um, I just think that, uh, and the fact that your book even mentions not just P. Way, but Paul Chapman, I mean, you know, I, I would say that definitely shows credibility in your favor.
1: Well, that that was also a, a, a bugbear I had with, with Clint Walker is that he released a, a supposedly revised edition of his book Highway to Hill back in 2015, um, where he didn't even mention... Pete Way and Paul Chapman, and there, there was the, the article in Classic Rock, I think it was in, what, well, was 2005, where Pete Way and Paul Chapman actually spoke for the first time about their link to the Bond story, which was pretty compelling, and the fact that Clinton Walker completely ignored that and basically just said, oh, you know, I, did, I didn't need to talk to them because they were just sort of, you know, um former drug users and how can you you know how can you um how can you listen to someone when when they're so unreliable essentially that's what he was saying um you could like the same claim
3: about the young brothers because they had did their share of chemicals back in the 70s too so well, why of you course know, decided why, why, should, why should why should exactly so why should pete and paul's stories be uncreditable just because they were on chemicals when i'm sorry everybody else in the freaking 70s was as well
1: of course everyone in london was on something at that point right so it, it was just i think it was really remiss of him to to not even attempt to get their side of the story and of course when i was writing uh bond the last highway and i had started with this idea of you know plotting bond in america from texas to ohio you know, from, from 1977 to 79. It was like, yes, I got to that point And then I realised, holy shit, I can't actually um, ignore the death. It, 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 it was never part of the plan to put it in this book. But I, I thought, okay, I've got to do it. And then once I got into it in a very deep way, I realised that there was so much that wasn't in the Clint Walker book that I had to sort of investigate myself. And that that part of the book ended up taking two years on its own. It was a real bloody rabbit hole. Um, and and it's, it's really confusing. I mean, if, if readers are confused, you know, by, by what's in that book, um, you know, spare a thought for me. I, I was living it, you know, every day for two years, you know, trying to make sense of this shit. And the thing is there, there are common strands in, in all of it. And, I, and that's what the hard part was. It was trying to sort of, you know, make it all kind of fit together.
4: Manny, hi Jess. Um, I just a uh, little background on me. Um, I'm my uh, I'm Latino. My mom's Colombian. My dad's Puerto Rican. That part's not important. What I didn't grow up with rock music being part of my my heritage. So the first rock band I ever discovered was ACDC. Thanks to the Satanic Panic of the '80s, they played Highway to Hell at this church. Bon mm-hmm. Scott became my first hero because Bon Scott talked about things you know, it's kind of, he was already gone by the time I got into him. I'm 52, so I was 12. He was already gone two years. But he became a a hero of mine. He became my first rock hero. And actually, he still holds sway over me. So your book was very interesting. I, I've read several books on, not on Bond, on ACDC. Uh, but I had a lot of questions for you. Uh, number one, you kind of mentioned it, but usual biographies go from birth to death. Yours starts at yeah. the last three years of his life. W- yeah. Was there? I mean, what is I know you wrote the Youngs book, but the Young book wasn't just about the Youngs. Your book was also mm-hmm. about the history of Australian music industry as a revolt ac mm-hmm. and what brought into it. So why did you choose to focus only in the last three years of Bond's life initially?
1: Um. One because I get really bored with books that start, you know, with someone born somewhere, you know, in their early childhood, and 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 getting through that part of the book—it's always a, a tedious part of a book for me. So I I just felt like I was cutting to the chase, and you know the I I thought like opening the book in 1977 when sort of ACDC turned up in Austin was just like a great way to start this book, and as i said before you know that the 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 story of a c d c in america in the in the clinton walker book had only been contained in one chapter, and there was just so much there if you actually sort of go through you know the 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 concerts that a c dc played how how much sort of territory they covered in a tour bus over those years it was really significant so You know, I wanted to basically get a map of America and sort of plot where ACDC had been, been, um, ring up every radio station that operated in that area in 77 to 79, find the DJ who who was working there, which I literally did. I would go through, you know, Facebook profiles, find the DJs, contact them. See if they ever met ACDC, and it was through that process of research that I found this guy called Neil Mursky,
2: mm.
1: who was uh, a, a DJ down in Florida, who had this um, uh, audio tape of, of of Bond talking in Orlando, which he'd never, you know, played, and he gave it to me. For me, at that point, that was just like a eureka moment. But mm. it was through Neil that he introduced me to um, Michael Fasilaro from, from Critical Mass, the band, down in Miami. Um, and Michael um, put me on to Holly X Bond's girlfriend down in Miami. And suddenly the whole thing just sort of opened up. So it was just through that simple, you know, research process that, you know, this this whole story just sort of came alive. But, you know, getting back to your original question, it was like, well, you know, Clinton... Walker did a pretty good job of, you know, covering Bond's childhood, and he had at the time the cooperation of the Bond Scott family, um, you know, because uh, they were, they were still alive at that time. That's why, you know, some some of Bond's personal photographs, you know, that that particular photograph of um, Silver Smith and and Bond Scott in in Silver's apartment in London is actually in that Highway to Hell book because. The family gave him the photograph. Where, you know, uh, Wayne mentioned it at the beginning. You know, this uh, the, the the comments about um, you know books about um, Bond Scott being bullshit. It was it was a veiled it was a veiled reference to me and Clinton Walker. And apparently, there there were some uh, you know problems between Clinton Walker and the family after, after um, Clinton Walker's book had come out. And apparently, you know, there were people within the Bon Scott family who were disappointed with, with what Clinton Walker had said about Bon Scott and that's where that's why there was this um, reference to, to bullshit in that documentary that you mentioned. So the, the, the reference to, to, to bullshit basically references me and Clinton Walker. That's what it's about. Hopefully that's answered your question in a very as way. <laughs> I mean,
3: it's, it's, it's understandable that, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure there may have been moments where certain repercussions that have been dealt with specific estates, such as the Scott estates or maybe even the youngs would say that anything that's against their narrative is either slander or libelous. So, you know, um, I I I could see, I could understand where you're coming from and in, in them kind of decrying everything else that didn't come from their mouths alone. Like I can remember uh, watching the ACDC behind the music on VH1 22 years ago and everything about it, um, you know, I mean, there's only so much you can fit into a 45 minute television special. But as I was watching it, you know, and then they were like, you know, Bond was our friend. Bond was our brother. And then, you know, suddenly this comes out where it shows that Bond was not as close with the young brothers mm. as they would have you imagine or they would like to be because, you know, he was a drinker. Angus, for the most part today, is a teetotaler. So how could a person who, who is a teetotaler be around someone who is is a drinker? And you know, it's 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 there there are a lot of there seem like to be there seem to be there are more truths in this book, especially from the people who lived it with Bond than what's coming out of the reports of actual estate members of this of the Scott and Young family.
1: Right. Yeah, but but that that was the impression that I got from that documentary where you know Derek Scott was on camera. It was I felt like Derek Scott never knew Bond Scott. I mean, he might have known him when he was a kid, but he didn't know him when he was living in America for those, those last three years of his life. Mm. You know, what, what did we get out of that documentary? There, there wasn't anything particularly profound that, that, that Derek was saying. You know, it, I, I got nothing from it at all, which is why I was so sort of pissed off about it, because it was like there's so much more to that Bond story. Mm. There is so much more. Um, And, um, you know, the the thing that really pisses me off is that there are people publicly sort of connected to the whole, you know, Bon Scott industry, the name of Bon Scott, whose whole identities are enmeshed with Bon Scott. And I can't name who these people are. Um, But I have seen emails... That they have sent other people um, where they have said, yes, we know that Bond died of a heroin overdose, but we're not gonna say it publicly. Which is incredibly frustrating for me because these same people come after me publicly mm. um, and, and slam me for, for saying what everyone is saying privately, and everyone knows privately. You know, and 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 people come to me and say, Oh, you know, I'm Showing disrespect to bond it's like fuck off you know seriously i've spent four years of my own life basically not getting paid you know on 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 a personal mission to kind of you know find the truth of this this guy's death that's the ultimate respect i'm showing him respect i want to find out how he died and for me and for anyone i think he was interested in the bond scott story to get any sort of closure on the whole thing find out how he died and who he was with, and who gave him the heroin. You know, for me, that's the that's the number one sort of, uh, you know, question that that remains. If we can figure that out, we've, we've closed the whole story. You know, someone should go and make a Netflix series about Bond. It right. would be great. I'd yeah. watch it. I'd watch. it. Yes. But I don't. Think... There's
2: there's don't, so much I there.
1: I don't think the estate would let you use their music, unfortunately. No, uh, you know, but I was I was talking to a. a, a a director here in in Bali, mm-hmm. uh, who was interested in Bond Scott as as a series, and we were talking about that, and it was like, yeah, we could do it. We just we just we could we just have to figure out how not to use the music, you know. Mm-hmm. But if we if we did a if we did a sort of series, you know, that was like a like a staircase kind of thing, you yeah. know, about Bond about Bond's last twenty four hours, it would work. Yeah,
0: definitely. Gotta to get to it before somebody else does because they'll make it all yeah. glamour and glitzy and he'll be like the perfect little guy, you know? It's
4: like Yeah. Jess, here's my question for you regarding Bon Scott. Now he's been a hero of mine, a hero of a lot of people that are into hard rock, heavy metal. But how come you think it took so long, especially in America? I don't know about Australia, but here, for him to be regarded and respected. Now he's respected across the spectrum. He's looked upon as one of the great uh, rock vocalists rock frontmen, but it wasn't that way for a long time. His face wasn't even on any merchandise till uh, about twenty years ago you know um,
2: yeah, yeah. Why, why
4: do you um why do you think it took so long for the critics to uh, to get what the kids and the fans already knew about him and also your book one thing I like about your book he was a deeper lyricist than he's given mm. credit for.
2: Mm. You
4: know, and I think maybe because of, and I'm not putting down Brian Johnson, but maybe because this type of lyrics Brian Johnson sang, people think Bond wrote stuff like Brian, you know, giving the dog a bone or whatever. You know, Bond wasn't that crass. But anyway, Mm -hmm. what do you, in your opinion, why do you think it took so long for the critics to catch up to what the fans already knew? Well,
1: that's typical of critics, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) we're not not critics we're just fans (laughs) yeah yeah but i mean christ i mean every time i see a you know new rolling stone list i think oh my god you know like do these people get it at all
4: no never never that's
1: different has rolling stone ever got acdc and when they finally got acdc it was you know one of the worst albums they ever released which was what um you know, rock or bust or whatever, yeah, ball, ball breaker or you know whatever. It's like they're finally on the cover. Well, you know, thanks very much, uh,
3: dear. God, talk about missing the plot.
1: <laughs> anyway, uh, um, yeah, yeah uh, I, I think it really probably started when you know uh, rock musicians like you know Keith Richards and, and Eddie Van Halen in interviews would would talk about Bon Scott, you know, and this whole sort of cult. Bon Scott sort of started developing in the United States and it became very cool to you know be a Bon Scott devotee you know guys like Dean Del Rey sort of you know did podcasts about it and did did shows and all that sort of thing and and it sort of just became a, a really cool thing um But it's interesting you mentioned, you know, ACDC merchandise. I was thinking about that the other day. It's like how much actually officially licensed ACDC merchandise actually has Bond on it? Apart from the Highway to Hell cover, how many sort of Bond T-shirts do you know of that are officially licensed by ACDC? I can't really think of any.
4: I think of one. Uh, They had one. I've got it. Bonfire, when they put out Bonfire Box. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, but which right. had
1: back, which had back and which had back in black, you know, in it mysteriously, right. which mm. is which is also fueled, you know, various sort of conspiracy theories as well. Actually, actually, I did want to talk to you about that. I can buy
4: "You Shook Me All Night Long," even even the song "Back in Black," but Bond, I can't imagine writing "Giving the Dog a Bone" or "What Do You Do for Money, Honey." Mm. He wasn't, mm. he wasn't, you know, even even in his so-called Crass songs, weren't that Crass like. Uh, Big balls is a great. It shows a great sense of humor. The Jack is a great sense of humor. There's a mm. there's a wink to it, you know. There, he, he wasn't uh, his saving grace. He didn't take himself too serious, and also lyrics like "It's a long way to the top," where he's busting the rock myths about making it while at the same time announcing his band as the next big, big thing, you know, hotel, motel, mm. make you cry. I think he was a great lyricist, and I wish he'd gotten more credit during his lifetime. And I still don't think he gets enough credit as a lyricist. But, um, so you... No, know in, the what? Yeah, in your book, you shook me all night long. I can kind of buy that because it's a little too clever for the compared to the rest of the material, even back mm. in black. Mm. But mm. in your research, how much was that uh, that music written as those melodies written with bond and you know obviously he was in mind but how much was it written do you have any idea or you
1: know so, so what do you mean what, what sorry repeat the question well
4: like um like i can't imagine like um uh, i always suspected you shook me all night long um rock and roll ain't noise pollution that sounds more like something bond would have written melody wise maybe not the lyrics so i just wondered in your research how much in the demo phase did they get before bond passed away do you have any idea
1: Oh, uh, only only what you know um angus and, and malcolm have said in various interviews over the years about you know the demos but you know there, there are a lot of supposed sort of recordings of, of Bond doing "You Should Be All That Long" floating on YouTube. None of which
2: it's are him. legit. Yeah. You know.
1: However, anecdotally, you know, I spoke to you know people like Alan Fryer from from Heaven before he died, and he said he'd heard something. And actually, I remember um, talking to Valerie Shearman, the widow of Buzz Shearman from Moxie, and she was saying that when Buzz. Um, auditioned for ACDC or was asked to audition for ACDC that all the songs had been written for the album. Um, so, that you know, there were little things like that. And I've sort of just collected all these sort of stories and I've made a case that basically the official narrative has so many holes in it. And if you actually go into the book and you read, you know, some of the things that Angus Young has said over the years about how much was ready for that album when, when Bond died, it sort of goes against what the band has said in later years that essentially he had nothing to do with it. And, 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 you know, this, this thing of, um, you know, uh, Vince Lovegrove interviewing the family back in 2005 and getting an admission that the, the, the estate was actually getting some money from back in black. Why would they be getting money for back in black if Bond had nothing to do with it? Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, I like, do. I mean, if you look at my book on the Youngs, yeah. uh, which, which a lot of people, you know, were annoyed about because I painted ACDC as this sort of ruthless business machine, which they are.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: Right. And so it's the truth because I spoke to the people that they work with, you know, the managers, the tool managers, everyone who was involved at Atlantic Records. I got the story. It's not like I went into this whole thing sort of thinking, I'm going to slam ACDC. No, I don't think you the know, book,
4: book was a slam on them personally.
1: Oh, no, no, but, I know, but I, I've, I've had death threats. I've had everything you can imagine from ACDC fans because of these books. But, you know, what I'm saying is I, I I went in and basically, I as a biographer, I kind of, you know, took the information that I was given from the people that I was speaking to and made judgments based on what they said. I didn't go in there just thinking oh, I'm, I'm just going to take out ACVC. I'm going to take out Angus Young. I'm going to take out Malcolm Young. It was not, it was never, you know, part of, part of my plan. And people think that I've got this agenda against ACVC, and it's just so not true. It's just basically I'm going on, on what, you know, people who actually worked with him have, have said and told me. Right.
2: Yeah, it's, well, it's your most- narrative as far
4: as the ruthlessness has been confirmed by their former manager who wrote a book called Dog Eat Dog. Michael Browning is is that his name, Jess?
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
4: yes. So he's confirmed the ruthlessness of the of the young organization that you wrote about in your book. I'm talking yeah. about the youngs, and also this one, so that's not so it that's not just you saying it. It's not just your book. It's also someone who actually worked with the band very closely saying the same
1: thing you're saying. And it 's interesting you mentioned him because you know Browning in that book actually also mentioned a heroin overdose um, featuring bon i think it was in it was in paris or something it was there was this this second overdose that he had and uh, you know what 's interesting is that you know uh, i 've seen sort of michael uh, we 're not friends on social media or anything like that but i 've seen Michael kind of. I' um, sort of backtrack a bit on that whole thing about this, this second overdose that is mentioned in his book. But it's in there. For anyone who's got a copy of Michael Browning's book, go in there and, and, and um, have a look at what he says about, you know, Bond having this second overdose. The first overdose was back in 1975 in Melbourne. Hmm. So, you know, this second overdose, from memory, it was in Paris or London, I can't remember, but it was around 76.
0: You think the reason why they keep all this information from people is because because of like the all the merchandise that they want to you know make in for bond, you think they're trying to keep all that negative stuff away so people will buy this stuff and think he's like some kind of guy that you know was clean and
1: yeah i don't I don't understand the the resistance to acknowledging the truth mm. um i can make, I could maybe understand it. In, if, if it were if it were 1980 and you know Bonds just died and we've got this album coming out, I can, I can understand that you know certain people sort of um, came up with this plan,
2: mm.
1: you know, to to memorialise this this new album to you know the dead singer and sort of come up with this narrative and this whole sort of malarkey about you know Bond having kind of anointed Brian Johnson as his successor and all that bullshit, which has right. sort of just become ACDC <laughs> mythology, which right. has never been challenged and it should be challenged because right. basically you, you go and you read various accounts of, you know, what Brian has said over the years about um, how, how much he knew Bon Scott and the story changes all the time. Right. Yep. <laughs> and uh that's but, the thing. I, yeah. I
3: didn't hear of him knowing Bon Scott until like 20 years after he joined. How come he never spoke about it until then? And I have nothing against Brian Johnson as a mm. talent or, or as a singer. But I mean, think about it this way. It seems like there's a reason why he's like the only um, uh, spokesperson for ACDC, because I just don't think Angus wants to be bothered with answering the truth. And it's not Bon is not something Brian has to talk about, because. He's the guy who took the job over from Bond. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's it's safer putting him out. I mean, you even mentioned it in your book that you were this close to getting Phil Rudd. And then all of a yeah, sudden yeah. it's like he had to change his story and say, yeah. uh, I can't do it, which means that eventually he was going to be welcomed back into the ACDC fold, which I'm sorry, Chris Slade is probably the second person in ACDC who gets the to- flack from the band yeah yeah Yeah. (laughs)
1: second Um, upon but 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 the way that okay like uh, you bring it up uh, phil rudd i mean the way that phil rudd was treated during that time when he had all those legal problems in new zealand you know and he was clearly drug affected um, and, and the way that Brian Johnson and Angus you sort of basically just sort of laughed at him. I remember they did a thing with Howard Stern where they basically were just taking the piss out of him, you know? And it, it was like, you know, this guy's been in the band for decades. It's like, is he a mate or is he just someone you're going to take the piss out of? And, and, and the thing was, yes, you, I got on the phone with, with, with Phil and he said, yes, I want to talk about Bond. And we had a, a brief chat. And then, literally, kind of just did a, you know, a complete reversal and said, "I just can't do it. I can't do it." He really wanted to get back in, but you know, he wanted to get back in for all sorts of reasons, which you know, mostly are about money. I think at this point, you know, I mean, ACDC is this massive commercial colossus. It's making hundreds of millions of dollars a year in merchandising, and every time it licenses its music to. A commercial or a TV show or a film, it's making tens of millions of dollars. It's, it's a great fucking business. You know, the sad thing is, Bond, you know, died with, you know, $30,000 in his bank account. And he's basically, you know, the reason why ACDC is as big as it is. Because, you know, the ACDC catalog would be nothing without Bond Scott, exactly. it would be very, very thin.
4: Yep. That's very true. Yeah. And, and, uh, in fact, they I wouldn't mean, I, they wouldn't even I be eventually. what they are
1: today without all those 50-odd songs that Bond wrote. I mean, they're just, you know, head and shoulders above anything that ACDC with Brian Johnson has I mean, put
4: out. Yeah. Brian yeah. Johnson's the only singer I know that's been in a band for 40-something years and still referred to as a replacement singer. It's kind of strange. <laughs> you know? <laughs>
2: you know, you know the crazy
3: thing is? I would have never known you as a replacement singer until I heard the who made who cassette for the first time ever in 91. And the song Ride on from dirty deeds under cheap was on it. And I'm like, wait a minute, who is this singing? And then I found out it was Bon Scott. Now again, I grew up on the Brian Johnson era because you know, back in black and for those about to rock and flick of the switch were available in the United States. and it wasn't until I personally discovered right on where I said, you know what, Brian is a good fit for ACDC, but Bond was the soul for ACDC. And that's when I went and discovered the back catalog. And I said, holy shit, these are some of the best rock and roll songs that you could ever hear. Not taking anything away from the talent of Brian Johnson, but it's just, wow, what a foundation to build an empire on. You know, you have this guy that for all intents and purposes he should have been treated a lot better than he was.
4: And and the other thing too, that you point out in your book, Jesse, is um, if Bond had lived during the MTV era, that would have been, I mean, in death, he became something. He wasn't in life in the United States, a, a mega superstar. I mean, he, I'm not kidding you. I mean Classic Rock magazine, which is an English magazine, about 10 years ago called him the greatest rock and roll frontman in their reader in their in their poll. Above Jim Morrison, above Mick Jagger. That that's how much his stature has grown in in the 42 years as his passing. So uh, I you're right. It just it boggles the mind where what he could have done. It's I wish he'd I do wish Bond had stuck around. I wish he would, you know, list a
1: little bit longer. Anyway, that was the question, so my apologies. He he would have been another David Lee Roth, you know. There there would have been nothing stopping Bond from, you know, doing a California girls. Bond would have kept his hair. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but he would have been brilliant because he just had that sort of, you know, mischievous sort of impish quality that you know that that wink in his eye the glint every you know that's the thing that people still connect to there's there's uh, there's humor in it there's humor in the whole bond scott persona there's there's a lot of you know um, badness and devilishness but there's there's a lot of uh humor you know that, essentially that's 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 his appeal i think you know he's yeah. the kind of kind of you know person that um I mean, he he was a small guy. He he wasn't necessarily the most attractive guy, but he had a shitload of charisma, you know?
3: Yeah. Yeah. And nobody sounded like him.
4: No. No, an
1: amazing performer, amazing performer. How he used the stage. I mean, if you watch, like, um, uh, you know, the... uh, the Paris concert from 1979, which is the Let There Be Rock film. And you just want to watch Bond on stage while Angus is playing. You don't know quite who to watch. Right. You know, Bond's not actually singing. He's just moving, but he's just absolutely, you know, mesmeric. It's it's, it's fantastic to watch
4: it. It's funny you mentioned that. Um, you mentioned Eddie Van Halen. Eddie Van Halen in uh, Guitar World once mentioned his favorite singer was Bon Scott. Him and David Lee Roth were backstage because they didn't pay attention to the one they opened with. There was a day of the green, it was all these bands. I think you mentioned in your book. They heard the sound, and him and David Lee Roth ran out there, and they saw this guy in a schoolboy uniform and this shirtless guy. And they couldn't believe that was that little guy could sing like that. They were shocked. And you know, they they fell in love with that band. Um, your book actually, um, what surprised me about your book is I read Clinton Walker's book, not surprising, but Bond was a man who had a lot more depth than his image would suggest as a human being. He, he, uh, he was a lot more well-read than his image would suggest. He was, uh, he was a lot more sensitive than his image suggests. So, you know, I, and your book actually made me like him more then I already liked him. And I liked him as a persona, but your book made me see him as a human being. So excellent job. So thank
2: you for that.
1: Pleasure. Um, Yes, that's how I felt too. I felt like I've got through the, you know, the stereotype, the cartoon-like representation of Bond that I think... uh, Things like like Bonfest perpetuate, you know, the, the the sort of the Peter Pan of rock mm. persona. There, there's there's so much more to Bon Scott that that isn't put out there. And and you mentioned, you know, the fact that he he read books, that he was going to art galleries, he was he was going to feminist bookshops, he was, you know, hanging out with Silversmith, who was a woman who Obviously changed his life in, in a very profound sort of way and introduced him to new things and new people and sort of a, a, a different sort of class of society and certain you know uh, uh, you know uh, I guess a sort of a, a higher class of drug user in in, in London and probably you know got um, got born into some sort of trouble um, but um, you know a lot of people have blamed. Sort of silversmith for kind of what happened to Bond, and I just think that that's just bullshit i mean you know Bond was a he was right. an adult, he made his own choices he, he he was involved in what he was involved in through his own choice he mm. took his he took his his path of his own volition, and um that's the point I make in the book It's like you can't blame anyone for kind of what happened, and how he ended up in that car mm. it was like. You know, this this is the the life that he chose. I mean, what's really sad though is that you kind of you see pictures of of Bond in '78 where he's just looking like a fucking machine, you know, mm. physically. Just he's just like a fucking greyhound. He mm. looks amazing, you know. And then you, you see this sort of dishevelled, haggard, um, slightly bloated kind of figure at the end of '79. And you can see that, the, you know, the drugs are starting to have a toll on him. And he, he'd become a sort of different person. And some of those final images of Bond in, in, in England in early 1980 are really, you know, tragic, really sad. Um, but for me, it was kind of like, you know, there there are all these clues about what happened. It was like, I've just got to start piecing this all together and kind of Make some sort of sense with you know with what Paul Chapman and Pete Way have said and what Silversmith has said and what Alistair Kinnear has said um, about what actually happened, and um, I think I've I've basically done as much as anyone could possibly do in that regard, and and the, and the new edition of the book has sort of incorporated some. Um, information from a from a french reader who who contacted me after the book came out and said oh have you seen you know these these articles in french um, you know bon talking to a french journalist in in 79 and and a, a 2009 interview from from peter Perrett in french and and you know these these uh, stories have kind of changed uh, I guess the, the story in some way, because now you know in this in this new edition, you know uh, this this French reader Patrick Beaumont has come up with this article saying that you know Peter Parent was was also there with um, with Zena Kikuli, Alastair Kinnear, and Bond. You know when Bond went back to East Dulwich. Mm. So what what's the actual story? The the police story is that there was only one person involved which is Alistair Kinnear. If there, were, if there were two other people there, possibly three other people, um, it sort of, you know, puts the whole thing into a, into a different light. When you think that the whole thing around the Alistair Kinnear story was that he was on his own and he couldn't get Bond up to the flat. If there were other people there, then, then why was Bond left in the car? Was there ever a point, I
3: guess, in your findings where you kind of told yourself, maybe, you know what, I'm getting too deep with this. This is a dark road I'm I'm heading mm-hmm. down. And maybe I should quit while well I'm ahead. Was there ever like a point while you were writing that where you know you thought that? I mean, I'm I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad you finished the book. But even you know, with within the first 30 pages where you're talking about. You know, the person from Texas that Bond became friends with, how he lost his mother to suicide, he lost his brother to suicide, mm-hmm. um, you know, him with his friend uh, going down a drag race where the car was impacted and they flew. Mm-hmm. How, I mm-hmm. mean, like there is some really dark stuff there that is the complete antithesis of what ACDC's music was all about with Bond so i mean did that ever uh, cross your mind where you're like uh i'm gonna stop
1: well i mean i've gone through you know really dark periods in my life before um you know i wrote a book and i hope by... i'm not getting
3: too deep with this question i apologize no no, no. it's
1: fine i've, I've dealt <laughs> with all this shit but you know like i wrote a book called laid bare which is my second book which is about the you know my divorce from my first wife which is an incredibly dark book you know and i went I i had a mental health you know struggle for about 10 years where i was afflicted with terrible ocd you know and it's the worst thing that anyone can possibly go through and you know i got i got through all that and you know and then i wrote. The book The Youngs which is about basically ACDC saving me from a suicide attempt <laughs> you know so I'm, I'm pretty I'm pretty kind of au fait with you know the dark side of, of um, the human condition and I actually feel sort of some sort of connection to Bond because I think he was a lot more complex and a lot darker than people sort of think and I saw it certainly related to his personality in some way and felt like I was kind of getting to know him better through this this process of research, and felt like I was getting a a a, a, a more um, well-rounded, accurate kind of representation of who he really was, and and having the privilege of actually you know meeting his friends and girlfriends and and getting them to finally talk for the first time, and and giving me this impression of of someone who was you know as you said the antithesis of kind of what everyone thinks he is, um, I felt like I was, I was connecting to him as a human being. Um, and, and it was a really profoundly kind of sad story because at its core, I think he was, he was let down by uh, a lot of people. I think, he, he, he yes, he made his own decisions, but there were, I think, people who could have done more for him and but the thing is you know like with any person who's going through some sort of trouble in their life whether it's a a drug addiction or a relationship breakdown or you know losing your job or whatever it's like you know it's a it's a burden that you carry mostly on your own, and you know your friends aren't there for your, your darkest private moments you know where you know you're you're sitting on a bed at three am in the morning and you're sorting your black socks and you feel like just fucking topping yourself, right? Mm. Can you imagine how many fucking moments like that Bond would have had on the road, right. where he's feeling depressed and 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 he doesn't have a girlfriend, um, has no kind of purpose to his life other than sort of getting on stage, getting off stage, getting blasted, fucking some girl in some town in fucking rural America or wherever you know, he would have been incredibly fucking down. Yeah. And, he and, really and, didn't and make
0: that much money with the band either, because in your book... Yeah, you know, he had, like he,
1: a... Exactly. He had no money. Yeah, He had no money. He was basically sort of living day by day.
0: Um, it almost seemed like he was and, a afraid of, of uh, Angus and Malcolm, too, because in the book, too, uh, somebody says that uh they were afraid that maybe uh they would beat him up because of you know what he played live or something one time he messed up something.
1: Yeah, that's right. In in in, in I think it was in Lubbock, Texas.
0: Right. Yeah. How do you say it? Lubbock,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Um yeah, where the the, sh- the shows were were suffering. There was a there was a show in uh where was it? War- Warwick, Rhode Island, where he they actually got kicked off the stage because Bond had totally fucked. Everything up, and they got kicked off the stage because of his mm-hmm. drinking. Yeah. I actually have a friend who was there, and he said, "Yeah, yeah, it happened." You know, so basically, everything that's in that book is corroborated. I've, I've put it all together, and and basically, the, the impression that I got was, yeah, Bond uh, was sort of leading this double life, where you know he 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 had the ability to kind of get up on stage, you know, give a great performance, um, you know, go to the bar, you know, drink you know pick up a girl whatever go back to his hotel room and you know wake up and do it all again um but there was a whole there was a whole other side where you know he he the, the persona that he had on stage was, was was very much against who he was in actuality which was a person who you know had been on the road for you know Know, how how long you know over over a decade the various bands had never had a break right um, was playing music that really wasn't the music that he enjoyed you know he was listening to Steely Dan mm. he was in he was into he was into completely sort of different kind of music he was he was hanging out with guys from Outlaws there, there, you know there was talk that he wanted to do a southern rock album mm. he didn't have the opportunity to to write the kind of songs that he wanted to write in ACDC um, because he was getting edited by Malcolm and Angus. Mm.
2: Um,
1: and, and actually, um, you know, Silver Smith sent me a, a piece of writing that she had written just before she died, um, talking about how, um, you know, Bond uh, wrote his songs and about how, you know, he had to sort of submit his songs to, to Angus and, and Malcolm, who then proceeded to basically dumb them down. So for a guy who was so clever and a good writer, to, to have, you know, two little, you know, um, dwarves, you know, kind of uh, edit your, um, your songs must, must have been incredibly difficult for him uh, because he knew what he was capable of. And so this whole thing of, you know, in the book of at the end of 79 where Bond's talking about leaving the band, you know, he's confiding this in his friends. Mm. I mean, that was like, oh wow, that's that's incredible. Are, are you sure that's what he said? Yeah, that's definitely what he said. He was talking to me from a phone line in Paris. Mm. You know, he was saying how much he wanted to come to Texas. And it was like, holy shit, you know, that's a that's a massive story. And I remember that when that came out, people attacked me from fucking everywhere that I dared say Bon Scott was thinking of leaving ACDC. But since the book came out, I think like two or three other people who knew Bond have said exactly the same thing. Right. So, you know, it's it's established. I mean, he was a, he was a different person offstage to what he was on. Mm. And my theory, essentially, is that when you, you know, I've lived with this guy for however many years now, um, is that there was a, a struggle that was going on inside him and I think it would account for... The drinking, because there was this sort of disconnect between the on-stage persona and who he was in real life. And, and when you're just sort of performing like that and, and you just have to be this performing seal, um, I, th- I think, you know, anyone in that sort of situation you had to do it day after day after day for, you know, three, four years, right. you know, without a break. I mean, it must, it must have a toll. must have a toll
0: especially with the way the band is now the band just like you know uh, it's it's everything is all like uh calculated to do this and do that it's 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 like a you know machine it's not a band anymore you know
1: it's and would he even be able to deal with that today you know people often say you know what do you think bond would be doing i I literally say you know i think he'd be probably be out fishing somewhere you know maybe bigger than probably a He'd probably be a painter in the south of France with a bit more talent than uh, than Ronnie Wood, you know. Right.
2: Yeah, he, he was
1: um, he 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 was a clever guy, was Scott. He was a clever guy, and um, as as Manny said, he was a, he was a brilliant writer, mm. and above all else, that, that's what he should be celebrated for. He was just incredibly funny, yeah. and and there's so much skill in sort of, um. You know, sort of. Writing writing songs with you know like you know just snappy little lines like Bornhead and he and he would do it song after song after song after song where you know you're just sort of blown away by uh, his I wouldn't I wouldn't call him Shakespearean but you know he he, he had he had a brilliant wit. Yeah. And uh, and there are so many layers to those songs and you can there's so many sort of meanings and they sort of come out at you and I still listen to ac from that era and I I still get new things out of Bon Scott songs every yep. every time I hear them. Yeah. And that's and that's something that I cannot say about Brian Johnson you know young young era acdc i get absolutely nothing from it and so that new album it's like everyone's saying wow what did you think of the new album it's like oh god i thought it was just fucking awful it was it really
4: really
1: was yeah Yeah, i I think
4: i liked it a little bit more than you did but (laughs) (laughs) nothing like Uh, the early days well, you know, it's well, funny what, we're talk- but now, what, was,
1: what was the line? A, a, a walk in the park. What, what's the line from that? Okay, oh, well, yeah. well
4: uh, I mean, why? A, a shot in the dark?
1: Walk in the it's a, <laughs> yeah, whatever it is, it's, it's the worst line in the history of rock. Like, oh my god,
3: <laughs> it's it, definitely it, gotten it's- to the point where it's more cliche than you know, something. Hey, that's, a, that's an interesting, um tongue twister, not not tongue twister, but, you know, uh, there there was cheek, there was tongue in cheek quality. And there was, uh, as I like to call Bon, he was a cunning linguist,
2: which is something (laughs) that you
3: cannot say. Sorry. I listened to a lot of deep purple too, Jesse. I can't help that. Anyway, (laughs) but you know, that's something you can't really say about recent output from the band.
1: What is it? A shot in the door, a shot in the dark beats a walk in the park. I mean, Fuck me. Who wrote how that? Did, a five-year-old? <laughs> <laughs> you know, how have we gone from, you know, power age to that? No. And this is the same band. Okay. So anyone with any degree of kind of, um, uh, you know, uh, intelligence uh, and, and, um, and, and taste and a bit of class, realises that, you know, we're, we're talking about two different things here. Nice and nice. Uh, and um, so that's why I can't get into, you know, this sort of later period stuff. Also, you know, getting back to the whole um, lyric thing is, is you know, I, I make a point in the book of talking about, you know, what Brian Johnson had actually done prior to joining ACDC.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: if you actually look at um, what he wrote yeah. for, for Geordie, it was like... He didn't write a co- lot. He had co-writing credits on three songs. Yeah, that's it. And they they were were shit songs. They were shit songs. (laughs) Right? And so then suddenly, wow, you know, fucking Brian Johnson is, you know, stuck in this sort of cabin in the Caribbean and in 15 minutes he comes up with, you shook me all night long?
4: I mean... (laughs) okay well that i believe is a bond scott tune number yeah, one exactly. i mean he loved american women so that line you know she knocked me out with her american thighs uh, you know bond loved american women like we love our french fries you know I mean, he was into them um there's a lot of lines that are bond scott like for sure so yeah i never I never wrote that. that i never thought i never thought like i won't I like back in black, but given the dog of Bond, I keep bringing that up. She's using her head again. Bond would never have written exactly.
1: Yeah, I agree.
2: <laughs> with you.
4: Given the dog a bon, thats something I would have. I like the song, but that's the kind of thing I would have written. Like you know, when my balls first dropped and I discover chicks, I want to give a dog a bone. It, it's so silly. You know? Yeah, yeah. For
1: me, it's for me. It's got Malcolm Young all over. Right, right? Yeah, That—that's yeah. the kind of thing Malcolm Young would write. Not yeah. not Bond.
4: Yeah. yeah, but I mean, I I think some of those melodies, because they've never written anything like Back in Black since then. I'm talking about mm-hmm. musically. So I do think Bond wrote a lot of those melodies, if not the lyrics, in my opinion. So I agree with that. Um, you know, also, one thing your book brought out was back in the 70s you could have what they call regional success in the united states i don't think that exists now but you point out they're big in texas they were big in some other places florida where i'm living at um and in other places nobody cared you know it was a different era for sure it's kind of sad because you also point out the djs the djs made the decision what songs are going to be played now it's clear channel it's a whole whole different thing
1: Yeah, seventies yeah. is definitely era. more
3: preform.
4: Free-
1: yeah, yeah, and th- and that was a big part of of um, the Youngs, uh, the book that I wrote before. Yeah, was 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 how that whole uh, era was was so fucking unique, you know, and 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 it just spawned so many amazing fucking bands that. Um, you know, have have stood the test of time and the music from that era is just the best, I think. Um, it's never, ever been matched. And it, it was like this it, it totally unique time in music. And um, I think that in itself is is an amazing fucking story. And that, 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 that ACDC was sort of right in the middle of it, you know, this sort of young band from Australia kind of, you know, really not sort of cutting it, you know, about to get dropped by their record company and suddenly, you know, they, they they change management, they end up with Lieber Krebs, they kind of start playing these big arena shows and suddenly, boom, you know, it all takes off. They change producers, they get mudlang, Lang and, you know, fuck, what a story. Oh, it's, yeah. That, you know, quite apart from, you know, you know, Bond's character story It's just the story of, of ACDC during that 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 time in America. It was, it was fucking fascinating. You know, someone should someone should make a film about that. And you know, like we'll we'll, we'll we'll never we'll never see we'll never see bands like you know Aerosmith, Ted Nugent, ACDC, Fucking, Fo- I mean, Foreigner. Let's talk about Foreigner for fuck's sake, while I have the opportunity. Right. You know, why isn't that band in the Rock and Roll
4: Hall of Fame? they sucked uh, rock and roll hall of fame that's why it took about 900 oh, years get me to get started to dc in there for god's sake <laughs> i mean uh, yeah rock and roll hall of fame fuck them all right go
1: ahead no, no, fuck, I, I agree fuck them fuck them but let's just talk about foreigner for a minute i mean they were the biggest band in america right, right? yeah so and, it's complete it's complete disrespect it's complete disrespect well you know, just over and, in the
4: united states because Foreigner weren't hip, which are, you know, and they were supposedly a corporate rock band and they, um, God help them, they had hit singles that people actually like. So people like Rolling Stone and all these other guys, well, these guys suck, you know. And
3: and don't forget the mastermind behind the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is Mr. Jan Jan Wenner, who runs Rolling Stone magazine. So when he first started it, his intention was that anyone that he labeled as corporate rock, you know, your journeys, your foreigners, uh, your speed Speedwagons, your Def Leopards, your ACDC, even your Black Sabbath and Led Zeppelin, which let's be honest, Rolling Stone tainted them all they in hated their any magazines. Band, that any band that,
4: that turned up their amps. And they I have they were never for... going to put them in until the fans said, news. no, you will. I have bad mm-hmm. news for the guys from Rolling Stone. If you sign to a major label you're technically a
1: corporate rock band. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> you know, true. Like, yeah, yeah, but talking about foreigner, I mean, I went and literally, you know, met oh, yeah, you Mick, Jones, to Mick Jones, Mick Jones in, yeah, yeah. in New York and I went to his apartment. In his bathrobe. And kind of, <laughs> in his bathrobe, talking about his drug addiction. Okay, and we're talking about Mick Jones, right? So the idea that you know, Bon Scott wasn't up to his fucking eyeballs in, in the same substances. It's just a joke, you know? And, and there is still this resistance among certain, you know, um, sections of the ACDC fan community that the Bond was even doing drugs.
4: Well, I'm one of those who resist the idea, but I believe he did because I hmm. don't believe that for years i believe the narrative you know he he passed out and choked to death on his vomit yet your book's not the only one but uh, i have not seen anything that that showed that's what happened it's a death by misadventure Mm -hmm. i don't he's drank before and and you know it i i have to as i've gotten older um i don't believe the the official narrative um then maybe that was done to protect the family. Maybe it's done to protect the band name. I don't know, but you know, yeah. I, I, and he grew up in an era where he did a lot of drugs, and they, you know, that was a sting. It, it was his wife said so. His ex-wife, his bandmates, you know. Um, so yeah, I mean, he he, uh, he partook, unfortunately. Yeah,
1: but I mean, look. At, at what point do you, do you, do you you know clear the air? You know, at what point do you tell the truth? I think, you know, the, the, we're coming up to, what is it, next year, it's going to be 50 years wow. of, of ACDC as a band, right? Right. It's been 50 years. I think it, 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 the ACDC kind of fan community is mature enough to be able to deal with the truth once and for all. Mm. Just tell the truth. But the thing is, you know, they, they've spun such a sort of an elaborate sort of story now that they can't get out of it. Right.
4: Well, that's true. And as they say, a shot in the dark is better than a walk in the park.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they say.
4: But, you know, it's um,
3: on a, it's the unfortunate truth is that it's always the victors that get the final word. But yeah, there's only one true. thing that stands in, you know, in that to me that's more, more relevant than the final word, and that's the truth. And you know, um the the events that you mentioned in your book, because they were corroborated by people who were actually there outside of the ACDC camp and all of them kind of interweaving with each other, mm-hmm. you know, then obviously then this means that there are certain people in the um in the camp, not that they need to atone for it, but they need to stop. They need to stop fucking lying. If they, you know, it's that's that that that's really what it is. I mean, look, uh, Phil Lynott was one of my biggest musical heroes. It mm-hmm. kills me that in the end it was heroin that took him out. I loved John Bonham. It kills me mm-hmm. that it was chemicals that took him out. You know, mm-hmm. it's like. You know, people want to um i don't want to say advertise but they kind of like want to glorify how so many of these musicians went out but mm-hmm. you know the truth is that a lot of it was unavoidable you know if and uh, but unfortunately with the music business business comes before music so that that um that feeling of humanity for your bandmates or for whoever you're working with is unfortunately thrown out the water with yesterday's uh you know dirty laundry so you know it it's 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 sad that all we're told is what they want to tell us you know and thankfully we have people like you who actually do their research and go out of the way and dig through the muck and mire and you know creating great material um for us to read and go, huh, wow, okay. Things are starting to unravel.
1: I know, but people like, you know, Taylor Hawkins are still dying. Mm. So so when does it change? You know, well, when when are we going to have a like a you know like a real a, a real honest sort of discussion about, you know, um alcohol and drugs. You no. Know?
2: Yeah. And I think
1: I think the greatest res- respect we can give Bond um is find out the truth of how he died. Yeah. I mean if you were, if if you had just lost someone uh in in an unexpected way in 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 and his body was found in a car wouldn't you yeah. want the truth? I yeah, would. death
3: by misadventure is kind of insulting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, but the fact—the fact that I mean, how can you how can you have a you know a, an inquest into someone's death with, without even talking to who was there? You know, the police never spoke to the people that I produced for that book. You know, forty years later, I come up with some eyewitnesses who were there. Why didn't the police? You know, and and cooler, cooler, Kukuli. I don't know if you guys remember from the book, but cooler um, was the lead singer of lonesome no more which was the band that was playing at the music machine the night that bond walked in she said in in the original edition of the book that she thought Bon had had done heroin she was there she saw him with her own eyes she had used heroin herself she said she knew that he was she he was on heroin and and then she said to me but please don't use my name, obscure it in some way. I don't want to upset anyone this late in the game. I think that was her exact words. Mm-hmm. She died a couple of years ago. So I had no problem using her name in this new right. edition of the book. Right. But Kula was the sister of Zena, Kukuli, who was the manager of that band, who was the wife of Peter Perrett. Zena and Peter now apparently were both with, um with with bond and alistair you know you just put it all together it kind of it kind of all it kind of all makes sense now you know and so this is this is the thing is i like, you know i i'm i'm limited in the fact that i you know there is no police report if it if it had been there had been one it's been destroyed all the hospital records have been destroyed you know there are there are there are certain documents that are just not accessible uh, to 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 any researcher, right? But I've, I've basically put together as much as I possibly can about you know the events of that night, and I've put together a more detailed kind of summary of of, of what happened than than the police certainly ever did. And and right. you know a re, a real inquest would have you know called witnesses, and if, if the witnesses have been there and said, oh, we think Bond actually sort of died of a heroin overdose. Do you think the outcome might have been a little bit different? Do you think they might have kind of looked a little harder? Mm. I yeah. think they would have. Yeah, of course, well,
3: absolutely. Yeah, that's absolutely. foul play. They would have had to.
1: Yeah, but so, it was all it was all it was all wrapped up in in what seventy two hours. You know,
2: there yeah, was all, yeah. there, were,
1: there was a shitload more to it, I and mean, like I've got a thing on on Facebook. I don't know if you guys are a part of it called Bond Scott Forum,
2: yeah,
1: which is like a a group. You know, and, and um, someone had, had been to Overhill Road yesterday and sort of, you know, po- posted some photographs of the, of the block of flats and the, and the parking spot. And, you know, it was like, do we even know where Bond actually was? I mean, there's no proof of exactly where he even was. Was he inside the flat? Was he in a car? If he was in the car on the road, why didn't anyone in the entire day that he was supposedly left there actually see his body? Right. I mean, all the, this is a high traffic area where there's a huge sort of uh, uh, residential complex across the road. No one saw Bond in the mm-hmm. car for an entire day. Does that make any sense? Man, that, that... The only, the the only account we have is Alistair Kinnear who's now who's now dead and and disappeared um, while sailing from from France to Spain. Now that's a, that's an interesting story in itself. <laughs> yeah, that is. It could be your next book. <laughs> i definitely not no i've, I've actually uh I, I just wrote a book on cocaine trafficking which right, right, is, yeah. um fascinating uh and now i'm writing a book about a um a, a british spy who was accused of being a double agent uh for the mm-hmm. nazis and soviets so you know i've gone from you know you rock got- and roll to cocaine
3: <laughs> you yeah. need a place to hide i know a good bunker <laughs>
1: Well, well, well jesse
4: jesse whatever you do please don't title any of those books a shot in the dark that's all i ask
3: <laughs> oh come on. well then if it's a spy then it'd be a pink panther book okay so take it easy well, that, that was a
4: that.
1: cool movie so that yeah, was all right but yeah. speaking speaking of a shot in the dark um what's happened to the the um the brian johnson autobiography it's it seems well, it's supposed to come
4: out in november isn't yeah. it yeah
1: yeah it, i don't it, know it, it, it... It, the 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 release date has just kept on shifting and shifting and shifting, and well, the I have no idea what's coming up. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, he, I'm very intrigued about what's in that book, and you know whether they. What What do you think? went really went down on? With, some of those things. Uh,
0: what do you think really went down with him leaving the band? At what was that like 2016
1: or something? He said because you mean with his uh,
3: ear problems?
4: Yeah. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, you have any insight into that, Jesse?
1: On that. I think I think basically what, what was it, Jim Brewer? What he said.
4: I don't know what he uh, said. What did
1: he say? Yeah, what did you, you remember mean? him, the comedian? He, he, yeah, I know who he is. But yeah, yeah. he
3: does a very good Brian Johnson impression. Well, I
1: remember. I remember he he came out and sort of said. Uh, don't you remember it was like a big news story at the time and it sort of went everywhere and then he sort of had to was forced to retract what he had said and he said and his like, hearing he,
0: might... he lost his hearing or whatever and then he went and did like music he did his own another album like how can you do that no, you put acdc
1: basically you know he was given uh just told that he was his services were no longer required um you know got the news at his house in florida and basically was sort of dealt with like he had you know been an employee you know of a of a fucking computer company rather than a rock band for you know, <laughs> the past 35 years and and it was just sort of dealt with very you know brutally um uh and that that accorded with kind of um uh or dovetailed nicely with my own kind of um, experience with Phil Rudd and basically what happened to Phil Rudd Mm -hmm. and how he was dubbed so unceremoniously um, by Angus Young. Um, And, okay, so you, you, you connect what happened to Brian Johnson, what happened to Phil Rudd. Do you think that, you know... Bon Scott was was any more special than those guys, really? Do back mm. in back in back in 1980, I don't think he was. Right. I don't think he was at all. So this whole thing of you know Bond sort of you know, feeling like his place in the band was, was was in danger, you know. And we talk about that in the book. Um, yeah. You know when he when his shows were suffering, mm. and that he he felt like his job, you know, wasn't guaranteed. And you know, do do I want to continue doing this? Do I Want to continue having my songs, you know, ripped apart by the Youngs, um, or is there another future for me? Uh, I'm I'm sick of this shit. I don't want to continue, kind of fucking touring. I don't want to be in, you know, butt fuck Idaho, you know, one week and then Miami and then, you know, and it never ends. And all I do the only way I deal with this is is that I drink. You know, I'm I'm talking as Bon Scott here, but it's like yeah, you know his life was his life was fucked up. Yeah right yeah his life was fucked up no wonder he wanted to do something different so um you know this this french guy who who was sending me these french language interviews you know actually produced an interview with bond from 1979 where he just said he wanted to quit the band and go fishing okay so Mm -hmm. that's a southern expression yeah. yeah so you know it's it, it kind of like all ties in and, and it's I've, I've done absolutely as much as that i can possibly do and even though i flirted with the idea of writing a sequel to this book um because i still think there's there's a lot to you know the bond story and people are still fascinated by him and you know i've got to do other things in my life i'm, I'm like bon scott i have got to do something else yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: You know? i hear you but yeah, yeah it, ma- it makes me wonder though when um You know, when ACDC first signed to a label with Bond, because, you know, Dave Evans could claim to be the singer before Bond, and that's fine and dandy. But when they signed to an actual label, it was with Bond. But, you know, there's always that uh, when a a band signs a a contract with a label, that the initial members are partners as opposed to, let's say, you know, for example, take the band Kiss. Paul, Gene, Peter, and Ace were equal partners. When right. Ace and Peter quit the band, it just became Paul and Gene and everybody else that they hired after the original two left, they just became paid salaried employees. Was yeah. it always like that with ACDC where it was uh, Malcolm and Angus and everybody else collected a paycheck? Or, like, are you privy to any of that
1: knowledge? I, uh, I, I recall seeing like a royalty split. I think Michael Browning might've talked about this in his book. I think it might've, he might've talked about the royalty splits from um, let there be rock. And I think that the band was getting like equal shares and Michael Browning was actually making more than the band members were. And this had caused some sort of stink, obviously with the band. Um so it's actually in the Michael Browning book. You you, you have it, Manny, right? So it's, yeah, it's, dog, it's, in, it's, in, it's in that book. Yeah, uh, it is. Um, they,
4: there was a, a big uh, brouhaha after Let to Be Rock because Let to Be Rock started selling internationally. Yeah, but, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so.
1: Yeah, so they were all getting like an equal share from that. But yeah. then you have have a situation where, and I talk about this in The Youngs, and I, who did I talk to? It, who It was... Um, Oh, that's right. I don't think I, I, I named him exactly because he didn't want to be named. But yes, someone very, very high up in the sort of the ACDC universe spoke to me and said, "Look, I'll, I'll give you a you know an insight to how to how this all works." And and essentially that uh, Brian Johnson and Cliff Williams had uh, retained uh, Led Zeppelin's lawyer, uh, a guy called George Fearon theorem um, to represent them uh, regarding their cut from you know merchandising and, and, and royalties and everything else and obviously the import of that was that it wasn't exactly equal um, and the, them having retained this um, entertainment, lawyer had caused massive friction with ACDC or with, with the young fan. Um, and of course, you know, Brian was um, um, asked to, you know, stop writing or had his name taken off uh, the songs. What, what, what album was it? Help me. yeah. Every album
3: from Rage's Edge on Brian's got no credit on.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's good that you guys all just said the same thing in unison uh, so you know your topic um yeah so like you know it's been young young ever since and and has hasn't having the songs improved you know
4: yeah well, <laughs> I, I think they need to bring brian back to to write lyrics again well
1: you know mean, it, it'd be interesting yeah. to see how, how how good brian actually is if, if, if and then we can solve the back and black mystery and see how how great, uh, you know, Brian's songs are. Um, I think we
4: we solved. If he comes it back. A, yeah, flick of the sweat. Let's see, fly in the wall. Yeah, I think we solved it. Uh, he he's not a great lyricist, unfortunately.
3: <laughs> you know what? How much you want to bet money? How much you want to bet money that Mutt Lang probably had a hand oh, yeah, uh, sure. more in yeah. the in in those three? Not highway to hell, but definitely. Back and back and for those about Spirox since he produced them. Think about it this way. My favorite Duff Leverett album, High and Dry, produced by Mutt Lang, also co-written by Mutt Lang. Think about how good those mm-hmm. albums, uh, you know, are uh, mm-hmm. due to his production. Oh, you think lyrically
4: he, uh, he helped write lyrics with Brian on? Uh, I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah, well I know I, I'm not gonna give Mutt Lang credit for Highway to Hell though. Forget well uh, listen, it. you could
3: blame Mutt Lang, you know, for, for Shania Twain all
4: you want. Let's face no, it. No, no, I, <laughs> I, I I would I trust me, I'd produce Shania Wayne. Anyway, but uh, uh I'm sure you'd produce right, Shania. What,
1: what, what what's your beef with Highway to Hell? Oh no, no, no. I, I No beef no, at all. No,
4: no beef at all. I just don't think Mutt Lang helped write the lyrics to Highway to Hell where uh, I can see
3: No, him. not not Highway. I, I meant back yeah. I'm I'm thinking I'm I am guessing that he may have been involved with back in black and for those about, I'm sure he was because of the loss of bond. Yeah.
4: Yeah, that's
2: true.
4: Sorry. Yeah, go ahead,
1: Jess. No, it's just that my, my, my feelings about the lyrics on back in black is that, you know, it's probably 60, 40 or something, you know, that there are, Substantial amounts of sort of Bond's lyrics, sort of scattered throughout that album, but they're basically just sort of you know added bits here and there, or kind of you know changed a word here and there. And, yeah. and um, but but the you know the, the good parts, which which sound like Bond Scott, um, are unmistakable, such as you know you shook me all night long.
4: Yeah, I even say I mean, you,
1: any, any, any anyone anyone listening to that song can can just sense Bond Scott all over that.
2: Yeah. And the thing is,
1: you know, fucking fans aren't idiots. If you if you if you're obsessed with the band, you've listened to all their albums, you buy all their albums, even the shit ones. Um there are. Know, and there are, there are many in the ACDC catalogue. Um, you know, after a while you you get to know these songs, you know, um extremely well. And 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 and, and you know you identify the sound. You 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 know the rhythm. You know the cadence. You you know the you know the melodies when you hear them. And right. and I think you shook me all night long has has Bond all over it. And the other song that I was very intrigued by was um, Bedlam in Belgium. Off. Um,
4: no, that's definitely Bond Scott because that's a story about Bond Scott. Yeah, that was yeah. what happened to Bond Scott. Now what happened to Brian Johnson? It's funny you mentioned that. I'd forgotten about that song. Bad Lamb Intelligent. Yeah. We want to play. But
1: it just That's it just essential. yeah. It just has the zip of a bon song. You just know a bon song when you hear it. Yeah, because it's and, a story that, to
4: it. There's a story to yeah, bad there, lamb. There is a story to it. Exactly. Unlike rising power, which is about well, never mind. Anyway. It's... I do like that album, but you know, I do it, too. It, it fails in I'm not,
3: comparison.
4: I'm not damning the album. I'm just saying that lyrically, again, you know, nobody's uh nobody's accusing Brian Johnson of being the Bob Dylan of the hard rock world. That's all.
0: Oh <laughs> no. no. <laughs> Well, the most important Leonard, thing... Leonard
4: Cohen wasn't losing any sleep when he bought a flick of the <laughs> Switch. That's all I've said.
0: <laughs>
1: really? I, Leonard can Cohen? I, yeah. Can I ask uh, Wayne a question? What's that? Um What's that? You've got a lot of CDs behind you. Yes. Oh, <laughs> well, that guy, yeah, he does. Yeah. A
0: few. I have a few.
1: I, yeah. I'm, a CD, I'm a CD collector, too. My I question CDs is, Wayne is collections do you, up there somewhere? are CDs coming back? Uh, For me,
0: yes. they are. I think yes. so. I think so. um, the you know the records got popular for a while and now the records are becoming uh, more and more expensive. So now CDs are starting yeah. to come back and they're they're getting a little more expensive too, but they're um, a lot cheaper than oh,
4: records. Yeah. yeah, they I think they're coming back too. What Which is good because I own like uh you know myself is, like four thousand.
0: Uh, I don't have any here. Uh cassettes what are, are, what are coming back there? as well. No are <laughs> cassettes are <laughs> <for, laughs> shit. Why and would they doing A track
4: but they're coming yeah. back? Oh, what about real to real? Why don't we go back that far? Cassettes.
3: Because I, I think the last How 3000 was destroyed, uh, Manny. Well, Fucking
4: <laughs> cassettes. I hated cassettes even back in the day. Anyway, so... Anyway,
0: the uh, most important thing is, uh, Jesse, what's your favorite Geordie album? <laughs> oh, my God. God, man. The one uh, with Brian Johnson. <laughs> I, I, I honestly never even heard a Jordy album, so...
4: Well, you call yourself a fan? Yeah, My I'm God, sure. Wayne! I My know, I God! Like. Uh, but no, what, I,
1: look, I, I, I really wasn't into Geordie much, and you know, it was,
2: know it was, it was interesting.
1: It was interesting, kind of. Well, you know what was interesting for me writing this book was, uh, I would, obviously, look at you know what concert ACDC played in what town or whatever, and then you would see who the support band was. Hmm. Um, and there were so many bands that I'd never heard of. Uh, and the great thing about YouTube was you, you go and you just you know, plug in the name of this band, like Artful Dodger or whatever, and it's like, and then you you hear songs that you've never heard, that you're never going to hear on radio. And some of this music was just fucking amazing. So it was actually a process of sort of musical discovery for me, mm. um, finding, you know, bands like, you know, you know Point Blank, you know which is a great band yeah. um so it it was it was really kind of um nourishing for me and it kind of sort of it sent me off in a you know completely different musical directions and I, and I love that I love that sort of whole process of kind of discovery but that's what we get from collecting you know I'm just looking right. at all your CDs and I'm missing my own at home <laughs> you know people don't get it but it's kind of like yeah, you know, you take a risk and you, you you don't know what the fuck you're about to listen to, but it can sort of, you know, set your life on a whole different direction, which I love. You know, that's what, you know, writing does for me. It's kind of like the the, the cocaine trafficking book came out of Bon Scott, you know. Yeah. Um, if I hadn't written Bon Scott, I wouldn't have been writing about Colombian cocaine cartels, but, you know, oh. there's a connection there in Miami. So, oh, right. you know, that's, that's part of... Um, part of the job but um now you yeah i'm, one, I'm, one I'm your just first, um, i'm impressed with your collection <laughs> <laughs> i your not. first <laughs> books is yeah,
0: one of your first books is about soccer so what did that have to do with the Malcolms?
1: oh gosh you make a connection um, there no well, i used to be a sports journalist and i was i was mm-hmm. uh, a, a, a football writer in australia uh, so soccer mm. no um, football
3: it's okay we get it yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: So we get it soccer soccer and um and then um what happened oh look i had a i had a a a breakdown of my marriage and um ended up sort of uh writing this this other book about the end of the end of the marriage but that sort of coincided with me kind of losing my job as a sports writer because i had taken on my boss at the TV network at the time, a guy called Les Murray over a conflict of interest that he had. And it turned into a big sort of shit mm. fight here mm. in Australia. And it sort of, we ended up on national television and, uh, <laughs> uh, and I ended up sort of writing about relationships, but, um, you know, and then through that time, I, you know, like, as I said to you at the beginning, you know, I felt suicidal one night and I sort of turned on ACDC. So if um You know, I hadn't uh, broken up with a wife and, you know, my life hadn't sort of gone into a big hole, but from losing my um, sports writing job, I might never have listened to Power Rage. So who knows? But this is, you know, this is the butterfly effect. Everything that you do always, you know, has some sort of consequence. down the line.
0: Yeah, definitely.
3: Yeah, we're glad you made it out alive, Jesse. I mean, we're happy to be here with you. There is uh one last question from myself that I would like to ask. Um, Mark Evans, the original ACDC bassist who uh most recently played on the uh Rose on the most recent Rose Tattoo album with uh, mm. another great Australian singer, Angry Anderson. Such a little guy, but great talent. Um, he um was there ever any interest in possibly tracking him down since he was around bond in 1977 for the let there be rock album and tour uh prior Uh, to cliff williams was there
1: interesting question i have have to be careful here um mark and i met actually when i was writing the youngs um and he had kind of uh, not answered several emails that i'd sent him um and i actually ran into him in the supermarket weirdly enough, and just went up to him. And I said, look, I'm Jesse Fink. I've been trying to contact you forever. And, um, uh, would you talk to me? And Mark ended up sort of coming to a coffee shop in Sydney and we sat down for about an hour and we had a great chat. Uh, he was really nice and we sort of became friends and, um, uh i don't know if you guys remember tony correnti he was the drummer on high voltage the first album the session drummer he's not credited anyway. on
4: the album um so i didn't know he was a drummer on there Neither for did I? Yeah, yeah. No, yeah
1: no one did and he's a he's a you know italian guy running a pizzeria in sydney which is an amazing story in itself right so I wrote this book, The Youngs. Tony was in it. I kind of gave Tony the credit I think he always deserved because he never got it from ACDC. And um, Tony and I became friends and Mark and I went out to Tony's pizzeria um, and, you know, posted photographs and sort of signed books and, you know, did the whole bit. And I even drove, you know, Mark, home in my car and we're, we're listening to ACDC like fucking Wayne's World you know like I'm, i got the bass player from ACDC in my car listening to fucking Highway to Hell and Power Rage it was fucking amazing <laughs> it's like you know fuck how did I get here you know as loud as possible you know with my daughter in the front seat and Mark Evans in the back it was fucking great um, and and then Mark was really nice when the book came out He's, he said it was the best book he'd ever um uh, read about ACDC which was fantastic to me because he's he's in ACDC, right? So I think that made a huge difference to how fans received that book. Um and then uh we were I wouldn't say we, you know we were good friends or anything like that, but we uh were certainly friendly and in touch with each other and Mark and I were due to talk at the Sydney Writers' Festival. Uh, and it, it had basically sold out. It was like this you know, 300 room, a 300 person room um, down on the water in Sydney. and um, there was a guy called Jeff Apter who was Mark's ghostwriter. Um, and he was going to host the, the discussion and sort of at the last minute, um, Mark pulled out and he kind of left me in the lurch and I ended up having to kind of scramble, find someone else to kind of host this talk, uh, a woman called Jane Gazzo down in, in Melbourne, and she did it. And I got Tony up on stage and, and, you know, we sort of saved the day. But kind of, you know, Mark had kind of let me down mm. on, that, on that occasion. So like our relationship after that point kind of deteriorated.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: um. Yeah, I just felt like he'd really let me down. For uh, uh, something that was really important to me, all he had to do was turn up and he just didn't turn up. And kind of, and to do it like right at the last minute was just, you know, not really cool. Um, and so after that, I, you know, I sort of Mark on, on Facebook. I was, I was pissed off with him. And then I remember seeing something that he had written on Facebook about the Bond Scott book um, saying that I had sort of disrespected Bon Scott I thought you know fuck you pal wow <laughs> you know you can think what you like you know if you at one you know you come to me and you sort of say I've written the best book I've ever made, and you turn around and fucking publicly impugn me like that um, when I've been nothing but respectful to you um, I just thought it was just really shitty right. um, And so I haven't really spoken to him since. But the funny thing was, I you know was jogging in Sydney, uh, and Mark Evans you know walked up the street, (laughs) and we came across each other. And he pretended not to see me. This tiny little guy, you know, as we were sort of passing each other, it was like it was really fucking weird. But life is funny like that.
2: Wow. You
1: know, you can be close to someone one minute, and then suddenly. He's just complete fucking strangers. So on a personal level, I feel really let down by Mark. Um, I still really admire him. I I respect him. I've I've done everything in my power to kind of, you know, elevate his sort of place in the band. And I've said it so many times and in print that I think that the way that ACDC kind of... um, uh, Handled uh the whole rock and roll hall of fame thing with with mark evans was was disgraceful and i think he should have been acknowledged mm. and i think he's he's you know uh the the member of what i regard as the classic lineup of acdc and, and no one can ever take that away from him. but uh, you know I, as i said on a personal level i just i'm very disappointed in. we'll have lou have the last
4: question so you already got it <laughs>
1: no 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 i
3: i mean I, that was my last question you no no had i don't have any more. No more.
4: i just want to tell you how much i enjoy your book um even if you're not a fan of acdc it's just a really great read and uh and it's also a great um read not just on bond scott but that history of of uh of rock and hard rock and you know of that of that time period of late 70s anyway great book so thank you for the book for, uh, well, right, you know. great, yeah. great photos in here too oh yeah excellent photos so. yeah find,
1: finding those photos I like I this one you, that... <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh,
1: she actually, she actually um, sent me a photo of her um, her study in Miami and she's actually um, put together all the photographs of her and Bond that she can find and she sort of made a little shrine oh. to Bond in her office well,
2: that's which cool. is lovely
1: yeah because i mean people say oh you know there's no photos of of holly with uh with bond but you know the the fact is that you know they were photographed together and they were photographed in 1977 in new york when she was a atlantic records promo girl
2: Mm.
1: so you know uh she's uh she's she's great actually she um She's managed to sort of get through all these years without anyone actually knowing who she is, which she really um, appreciates. And kind of, it's been so difficult, never sort of dropping her name, right. yeah. but I've managed to do it. Managed to do it.
4: <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, it's
0: a.
4: Go ahead, Wayne.
0: Oh, well, it's a great book. Are you guys something else to say, Manny? Go ahead.
4: No, no, you're gonna say it. You're gonna, you know, yeah. go but ahead it's and finish up.
0: it. Is it definitely a great book? People. Need to really go out and read that book. Uh, what is your favorite A C D C Bond
1: era album? Oh I'll let you finish. Oh, you that's guess. the question. What's the <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: I'm gonna guess Power Age? Yeah, Is it go. Power Age? Okay, go. that's what i Yeah, and is it Power Age or powerage Power Age? Power, power
1: Age, actually. Power but, Age. Yeah, it's
4: yeah. not Powerage,
1: right. it's power age. Um
4: ah uh-huh. so no, the for, idiots for on all, that
3: show that metal show pronounced it wrong for
1: for all for all the reasons i said before it's like you know and this is this was the this was the um this is what i was sort of trying to say in the book and it was certainly kind of like a, the 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 platform for kind of why i looked into back and black in such a forensic way was that the thing with bon scott was that he was writing songs from his life, right? Mm. He wrote about shit that was going on, whether it was, you know, not having money, you know, girl trouble, you know, whatever. Whatever was fucking going on in his life, he was writing about it. And mm. it was why so many of those songs are still so relatable to to people, yeah. you know, because you can, you can identify yourself in, in these songs and, and, like, certainly give me a bullet which was the song that I played the night that I thought I was going to top myself, I, I connected with because I felt like he was talking about my own experience, right? So um, you, you, you then take that into sort of back and black and it's kind of like, you know, okay, if if Bond had anything to do with back and black, surely it stands to reason that he's writing from his own life, Right. Who's American thighs? Yeah. Um, for, for instance, right? Okay, suddenly it all starts coming together. Oh, you know, you know, Bond spent time in um in Miami. You know, he had a girlfriend down there, and all of a sudden his girlfriend's horse is called double time. Holy shit. Okay. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So now, now that I read the lyrics to that song, it all fucking makes sense.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Right?
1: Because if you, if you look at, you know, what, what Bond was doing in, in early 1979 when they were rehearsing Highway Hell and, and, I, and I was in Miami and I'm, I'm going and retracing his steps and I'm, I'm going to the hotels he was staying at and the recording studios he was at and everything else. The, the lyrics to You Shook Me All, All Night Long suddenly make sense as, as a Bond Scott song.
0: Yeah, definitely. and
1: that—that's what I think. That's what I think. Power Age has, um, in abundance. It's—it's it's just like, it's like a, a writer at his peak, you know, who—who's—who's who's just sort of fucking nailed his craft, and—and yeah. and it's just such a joy to kind of listen to it. Not only just the the power of the guitars and the production and everything else, and it's just the, the cleverness of his lyrics. And that's why it sort of stands head and shoulders, I believe, above all the others. And and um I don't think Back and Black is anywhere near sort of right. the quality of sort of you know power age. I mean I still love Back and Black. Don't get me wrong. Uh I, I think it's a it's a more uneven album. Mm. Uh there are there are songs on that that, that are as, as as good as it gets, like Back and Black is fucking astonishing, right? Right. You should you not be on that long. It's an astonishing song. But then there are, I think, sort of sort of middling songs. Whereas Power Age from beginning to when for me is just perfect fucking AC/DC. Yeah. yeah and I, I, I would so I would
2: nice. and I would
1: I would say the same thing probably about you know Let There Be Rock and Howard Hell. So I put those three. Out yeah and then after that point, it's like it's all fucking downhill. you get to a shot in the dark, beats a walk in the park.
3: <laughs>
4: We're not going to let this it. die. Well, <laughs> oh, uh, I think Brian Johnson does have a point that a shot in the dark. No, actually, a walk in the park would be a shot in the dark. See, it's just bad lyric. Uh, yeah. Can you anyway.
1: title this? Can you can you title this video, Jesse? Think a shot in the dark uh, from YouTube. <laughs> that would make it my day
4: i think you yeah. should i should
0: i should but they would get, oh, get jesse think
1: destroys <laughs> we'll make it on blabbermouth
0: <laughs> oh that'll be the uh the title there but, wait a uh, minute
3: i think we just got a cease and desist order from the young residents oh well oh, too bad it aired
0: too bad <laughs> too late we're live
4: they're not uh, gonna want even credit for that stupid lyric even though it's on their album anyway wayne go ahead yeah they uh, should own it
0: yeah uh, Jesse, thank you very much for coming on the show. Had a lot of fun.
1: Thanks a lot, Wayne. I, I appreciate it, mate, and uh, it's been a great chat and meeting you guys. Well,
4: thank you, here, Thank you, and thank you, and thank you, Bond Scott.
0: Yes, thanks, anytime, bon Scott, anytime and uh, thank you for writing this book and thank you Manny for uh, introducing this book to us and everybody needs to go buy it uh, uh, Jesse you got a website or, or Facebook or something people can go to to get the books and you know see what you're doing
1: uh, well mine is jessythinkbooks.com. dot um, but uh, if anyone's into Bon Scott just join Bon Scott forum on Facebook um, we've got about 15,000 sort of people there um and the funny thing with bond scott forum is that i had no plans of actually starting a facebook group mm-hmm. but when when bond came out as a book i was banned basically from every page every group than you can imagine right. um and people who attempted to even post about the book were removed from facebook or had their posts sort of taken off right. um i've had uh, Facebook groups sort of created about me where I had to get the like the FBI fucking involved because I was getting death threats and, you know, you name it. Um, so but essentially. Now we have you on our show. <laughs> essentially. <laughs> essentially um, uh, this, this guy, uh, Jason Smart, who I had met in Melbourne at, at a talk that I'd given um He, you um, know, he I, Just decided to put this Facebook group together, basically, so we could have discussions like we're having today, Mm. without without being censored. And um, you know, the interesting thing is um, uh, that we you know we run sort of poll questions and things like that. And uh, you know, recently, you know, I think the question was, you know, um, what was it? How how did you think Bond died? Mm. You know, was was it the the official verdict? Was it was it alcohol? You know, was it a mix of heroin and alcohol? Uh, was it was it heroin or something else? So whatever it was, basically ninety five percent of the five hundred people who responded to that question said heroin and alcohol. And now, if I had posed that question you know, five six years ago to ACDC fans, do you think ninety five percent of people would have said heroin and alcohol? No. Absolutely not. Right. Well, I no. So I, I, I feel like there has been a like a real quantum shift in how ACDC fans look at, you know, Bond's death and how they look at the issue of the the lyrics.
2: Right.
1: You know, and and that that's really heartening because when I when I first went into this, you know, in 2017 when the the first edition of the book came out, I was attacked on all sides. Mm-hmm you know i was persona non grata i was a fucking public enemy number one i had people sending pictures of my you know my book in the toilet all being fucking roasted on the fire and you know literally but
4: yeah. they had to buy it to do that so i oh, know still- <laughs> so, <hey>. yeah exactly
1: <laughs> jokes well, you on know. get the money and, and, and you, get, and you, you love and it and you,
4: you, and you, me you paid for it
1: 24 dollars. giving me free publicity. <laughs> well yeah right.
4: but i mean yeah <laughs> I never you know, got that. I, I hate you so much. I'm going to buy this book so I can burn
1: it. Yeah. Enjoy my
3: I money. Would, go fuck yourself.
1: Well. I would have people do this. I would have people actually take, go to the trouble of, of actually, you know, photographing themselves, you know, with a, with a fucking book on a, on, a, on a fire or in a toilet. And, God, and, oh. and, and I still get this shit all the time. Like, literally, I'll probably get five to ten a week you know it's like god what if, all i've tried to do is just write a you know a the story straight about, yeah yeah
0: yeah exactly well
3: yeah but if we get any for this episode we'll make sure to send it to you jesse yeah.
1: <laughs> i'm sure you will no no, no, he no he won't, you will. won't you, you, if you keep the comments open on this youtube video um you, you will get some comments for sure yeah.
3: that's okay we'll have fun of them at their expense yeah Yeah. that's fine
0: but yes please leave your comments so you agree with jesse if you don't agree with jesse uh, i'll send you his address and then you can talk to him about it
3: (laughs) (laughs) by the way we do want to give a credit to uh miss emily Barsava of ecw press who was uh nice enough to get us uh pdfs of the book to read and was also kind enough to uh send us these. so thank you so much emily we just wanted to give you some credit on the show as well thanks very much and with again jesse great great job with the book congratulations on success
4: And thank you for your time
1: thank you thank you guys yeah, thank and, you uh, hopefully yeah. hopefully one day we see a, you know bond turned into a series for netflix or something because I, I just think it'd be great
4: yeah
0: it's coming it, hopefully it's coming it, they already uh, did you see the figure they made of him?
4: Uh,
1: yeah so
0: there's an
4: action figure of bond scott coming
1: Oh, is there? Uh, yeah. I've, I've seen I've seen various figurines, sort of on eBay and. Wait, no,
4: an official, send them um, official. Yeah, and an officially licensed later.
1: action figure. Yeah, and it's licensed
4: license from figure. the estate. Oh, is that yeah. the
1: is that the what, is that the one with the big muscles on his arms?
4: No, no, no. It, it's uh, they they create a bunch of toys. Wayne will send you a picture later. I got a picture yeah. right here. Okay. Oh, you
1: got well, it? yeah, but that that whole thing about the whole Bondscott thing is interesting too because you know getting back to the whole merchandising thing with the t-shirts and stuff it's like but uh-huh. as i said before it like bond wasn't on a lot of stuff no. so so i think I, oh my god okay
3: i don't know Bond bonding so, steroids
1: <laughs> hang on what 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 belt buckle is you wearing
4: i don't know yeah, can you see
2: is that? it the oh, southern? They they...
4: It's it's got to be the southern. Uh...
1: No, like a... it's not. No, no, it yeah. won't be. It won't be. Wouldn't it
3: would not be for political correctness purposes. Yeah,
1: exactly.
4: Yeah, That's but exactly. Bond's wearing a shirt, and he rarely, he wore, rarely one wore one on shirt. Well, you can remove it. Yeah. Okay, so, so a... I, is did he, he own like a shirt?
0: Grandma?
1: I don't. Think did he, he own a shirt? I don't
0: think so. Anyway, he comes with okay. an extra head too, in case you want. So
1: okay, okay. This this is interesting because when did Bond
0: wear grandma jeans?
2: Is
1: that are they high waisted or low waisted? What are they? Um, <laughs> is that on bond the the official site? Oh, I don't know. Uh,
0: no, no, it's um, it's on Super Seven, Super Seven. The um, it's a toy company. Oh, I don't know.
4: Okay, yeah, I don't know, if it, but yeah. it's officially licensed,
0: it's officially licensed. Yeah,
4: yeah, they, wow. they made uh, action figures, I think, of King Diamond and other okay. hard rock okay. metal guys. So. so,
1: this, 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 this is the thing that sticks in my craw is is the fact that I get accused of cashing in, <laughs> you know, on Bon Scott. Now, you do not cash in on someone when you go and spend four years of your life writing a biography of someone and then have right. to put up with another four years of getting abused about it. Right. Hmm. But releasing an action figure is cashing in.
4: Well yeah, that right? is cashing in. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: that is that is cashing in. So you know, let's just, just you know call it for what it is. Yeah. You know. I've okay. never I've never attempted to fucking cash in on Bon Scott. I can assure you, there are easier ways of cashing in. Yeah, it's not, not on this website, I don't see it on there.
0: But it's super seven. So if anybody wants to buy that, which I'll be buying, I think many. I'll buying.
4: be buying it too. I'll throw it on my wall somewhere. So all right, guys. Yeah.
0: again, thank you very much, Jesse, for coming on the thank show. Thank you again.
4: Thank you, Jesse. And uh hopefully Cheers, we'll be talking soon. Have a okay. good
0: night, everybody.com. Ciao. Ciao. Uh Lou, you got anything coming up?
3: Uh, nothing at the moment uh, oh, just you know if you want to look up more of what I'm doing check out my link tree music is we'll be back next week with the uh, Judas Priest versus Iron Maiden series with Painkiller versus No Prayer for the Dying and Fear of the Dark
0: yeah I think so and don't go to his website because he doesn't update it and we will see you guys next week goodbye
3: nope I'm lazy Good night, everybody goodbye looking for some new podcasts to listen to
5: well look no further than the Rat Sound Review Network Ratsaw Review is taking over the podcast world with plenty of shows to choose from within their network of entertaining programming, including the flagship show, Ratsaw Review, with Wayne Noon, Greg Noggle, and Lou Mavs, as well as occasional co-hosts Manny Mejias and James Lilquist. We also have the official Ratsaw Review spin-offs such as Album vs. Album, Screens from the Grave, where we discuss beloved yet forgotten hard rock and metal albums of the past, and a King Diamond podcast called This Broadcast Belongs to Them. We've also got Old Man Metals Music. The Metal Thrashing Nerd Podcast with Metal Thrashing Mike. The Timo Toki Podcast featuring Stradivarius and Avalon founding member Timo Toki, The BS Sessions with Mark and Jerry. Just the Cheese, Please, a podcast dedicated to cheesy films of the 1980s with Tara J and Adam. And the Music is Live podcast with Lou Mavs. The Ratsaw Review Network is your go-to one-stop shop for the best podcasts out there today. Go to RatsawReview.com for more info. And to find out where you can find, follow, subscribe, and comment on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and all streaming platforms.
2: The Ratsaw Review Network. We're taking over.